Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Psalm 144, verse 1. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Legion of Michael podcast. I am your host, Paul Markle, and today we're going to talk about carrying the sword. Do you have the right as a Christian? Are you morally allowed? Does the Bible allow you to carry a sword? And you say, well, swords are kind of big and you know hard to conceal, so I just carry a Glock. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Recently, during a Legion of Michael question and answer session, we do that for those who are enrolled in the Legion of Michael training program in the church security program. We do that once a month. Someone brought up a situation in their church, and they were putting together and wanted to develop a church security team. And there were a few people, and one in particular, that thought it was a terrible idea and no person who calls themselves a Christian should ever carry a gun, especially not an amateur like you, and so on and so forth. And I thought, well, what better time than now to talk about this? Let's see if we have any biblical, spiritual, ecclesiastical uh, affirmation for carrying the sword. Now, we obviously talked in uh, what well, we mentioned the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those were the words of King David, a man who God himself said was, well, he said, David, consider David my servant, a man after my own heart. Consider David my servant, a man after my own heart. 
after our own heart. So uh, David says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Was David wrong? Like, oh, David was wrong. He should never do that. Okay, all right. Uh, let's go to the book of Esther. You guys remember Queen Esther? Esther was instrumental in saving the Jews, saving her people from utter destruction. If you read the entire book of Esther, I'm not going to read the whole book of Esther to you guys right now, but I'm going to read you one verse, and it is from chapter 8, and it is verse 11. And it said, In them the king granted the Jews who were in each and every city the right to assemble and to defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate the entire army of any people or province which might attack them, including children and women, and to plunder their spoil. That's some pretty hardcore self-defense there. Hardcore self-defense. That's uh, we're not only are we going to defend ourselves, but if you attack us, we're going to destroy you, and then we're going to take your stuff. That's in the book of Esther. What do we say to those who claim that a Christian cannot carry a gun, cannot shoot a person without violating the Bible, without violating the Ten Commandments, without violating their faith, what have you? Well. What is a gun today but the sword of ancient times? It's a sword, right? A gun is a sword, a sword is a gun, is a spear, is a whatever. Let's go ahead and see what Pope John Paul II, the last good pope that we had. Uh, let's see what Pope John Paul had to say. Now, I've got a, I've actually, uh, in his Evangelium Vitae uh, part, well, I think it was in the Evangelium Vitae, uh, by Pope John Paul II, he talks about the issue of self-defense, of defending oneself. And uh, in the, uh, the link, there's a link in the show notes if you guys want to take a look at it. It says, the guiding principles laid out by the church can be surmised as follows. We have a legitimate right to self-defense based on rightly ordered self-love. We have a duty to protect those in our care kind of like the parishioners in your church, such as our families. Uh, Force should be used in moderation. Force should be met with like force. Deadly force is met with deadly force. We don't buy tasers thinking that if someone walks into the church with a rifle that we're going to taser them. That's not how that works. Uh, The taking of human life in self-defense should be a last resort when all other options have been exhausted. However, we must understand that when a person threatens you with deadly force, specifically with a firearm, but it could be a knife or a baseball bat or whatever, you have fractions of seconds to do the right thing. Fractions of seconds. Maybe a couple of seconds if you're lucky. That's not the time to play around. All right. Now, what did Pope John Paul II say about self-defense? There are, and this is a quote from the Pope. There are, in fact, situations in which values proposed by God's law seem to involve a genuine paradox. This happens, for example, in the case of legitimate defense, in which the right to want to protect one's life and the duty not to harm someone else's life are difficult to reconcile in practice. Certainly, 
The intrinsic value of life and the duty to love oneself no less than others are the basis of a true right to self-defense. The demanding commandment of love thy neighbor set forth in the Old Testament and confirmed by Jesus itself presupposes love of oneself as the basis of the comparison. In the quote from Mark 12.31, it says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Consequently, no one can renounce the right to self-defense out of a lack of love for life or for self. So if you say, I'm going to use this firearm to defend my life, to defend the lives of my family, maybe of these church, uh, my church family, that doesn't mean that you don't love life or you don't love yourself or you have violated the commandment. Uh, going on, the Pope continues, he says, this can only be done in virtue of a heroic love which deepens and transfigures the love of self into a radical self-offering according to the spirit of the gospel's beatitudes. The sublime example of this self-offering is the Lord Jesus himself. Moreover, legitimate defense can not only be a right, but a grave duty. Now, what is a duty? Is a duty a suggestion? Is a duty something you do if you feel like it? Uh, you know, well, well, if I, if I want to or if I have time, then I'll go ahead and take care of that. No, that's not what a duty is. Grave duty for someone responsible for another's life. The common good of the family or of the state. Now listen up to this next uh, couple of paragraphs. No, actually, this last paragraph, a couple sentences. And the Pope says, Unfortunately, it happens that the need to render the aggressor incapable of causing harm sometimes involves taking his life. In this case, the fatal outcome is attributable to the aggressor whose action brought it about, even though he may not be morally responsible because a lack of the use of reason. I'm going to... Repeat that one more time. In this case, the fatal outcome, that is the bad guy, the aggressor, the attacker, the person who walks into the front door of your church with a shotgun, a rifle, a pistol, and decides they're going to murder people in the church. In this case, the fatal outcome is attributable to the aggressor whose action brought it about. If a man, woman, whatever, space alien, walks into your church with the intent to do harm to the members of your church family, and you stop them with deadly force, and they perish, it is you are not held morally responsible. They are morally responsible. You should fear no shame, because it is their actions that brought about their demise. What did Christ have to say about the sword? Now, there were no handguns. There were no Glocks. There, were, there weren't even 1911s back in biblical times. I know you guys said, well, I thought 1911s had been around since, you know, the Ten Commandments and stuff. No, not, not quite that long. Not quite that long. Oh, in Matthew 10, 34-35, 
Uh, Christ says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. That was verse 34. And in verse 35, he says, For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Wow. You guys remember that, right? Yeah. He said to, now, and then in Luke chapter 22, he says to them, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Sell your cloak and buy one. Buy what? A sword. What? Christ said to buy a sword? And this is when you bring this up to people, and a sword could be a Glock could be a 1911, could be whatever your favorite gat is, whatever your favorite handgun is. Substitute the word sword for gat. Although I don't think, well, I don't know. Christ is a pretty hip dude. He said, but now if you don't have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a Glock, sell your cloak and buy one. And then in verse 22, 38, and they said to him, Lord, look, here are two swords, two Glocks. And he said to them, it is enough. Wow. Let's go to the, uh, the tale of the Good Samaritan. Everybody should know the tale of the Good Samaritan, right? So the traveler, traveler's on his way, falls amongst robbers, right? They beat him, rob him, and leave him laying by the side of the road. Leave him half dead, right? And who comes along? One of the Jewish leaders, a, a Levite. Was it a Levite and, or a Pharisee or whatever? So he says, oh, he sees the man, but he passes by on the other side because he can't be troubled. And then another one. You know, I, 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 I don't have the story open in front of me, but I know it from, you know, from Sunday school. And then another Jew, another man who's supposed to be a good and faithful follower not of christ because the jews don't follow christ <clears throat> he comes along and he says oh that's terrible i'll pray for him later but i don't have time now crosses on the other side leaves him there and then who comes along a samaritan now the jews didn't like the samaritans they thought the samaritans were subhumans they, they, they were not worthy they were gentiles you don't eat with them you don't talk to them but what did the Samaritan do? The Samaritan came along and saw the man and had pity on that man. And he bound his wounds and poured oil on them, took him and put him on his own donkey, on his beast, took him to the innkeeper, and he said, hey, take care of this guy. I'll be back, and here's enough money to take care of him. I'll be back in a couple of days. And you say, okay, Paul, that's great. What does that have to do with the sword or the glock. Well, if we can, if you can imagine, because and Christ is telling this story, and he said, who, who was the good neighbor? And, of course, even the Jews, had, they had heard the story, and they're like, oh, well, the man who cared for him was his neighbor. Aha, go forth and do likewise. But what if... The Samaritan, what if he'd gotten up a little bit earlier that day? Maybe, you know, maybe the Samaritan got up, yeah, he slept in till about 7 or 8 o'clock, 
you know, Jerusalem time or whatever it was. And uh, what if he would have gotten up right at sunrise and said, you know what? I'm going to get on my trip early today. So the Mer- Samaritan's cruising along, and he's cruising along down, down the path, down the road, right? And he comes across the traveler right as the robbers are about to well, do their thing. Now, the Samaritan, he's a trained swordsman. Maybe the Samaritan was carrying a spear. Maybe he was carrying a bow. I don't know. And he sees them, and he says, stop. And they say, ha, we will not only rob him, but we will rob you too. And we have swords. And the Samaritan steps in, and he takes care of business, and he handles it. Now, would the Samaritan have been a better neighbor if he would have arrived and seen the, the robbers in the, in the beginning of robbing and beating this guy? He said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang back and I'll wait for them to beat the crap out of this guy and take everything he has. And then after he's laying on the road, then I'll go up and I'll put bandages on him oil on his wounds, put him on my beast, and so forth. And you say, well, that would be dumb. If the Samaritan was a good neighbor, wouldn't he step in and intervene? And you say, oh, no, you, you don't step in and intervene. Greater love hath no man than to do what? To lay down his life for his friends. Going back to what the Pope said, the great sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, you say, oh, well, that didn't happen. I know it didn't happen, but think about that for a second. Would it have been better for the Samaritan to just allow his neighbor, who was the traveler, to be beaten and robbed and left for dead? Or would it have been better if the Samaritan, like I said, he got up early that day and he was coming around the corner just as the robbers were attacking the traveler? Would the Samaritan be a sinner if he pulled out his own sword and stopped the traveler from being robbed and beaten? Would he be morally incorrect? Or would he still have been a good neighbor to that traveler because he stopped him from being beaten and robbed? And he used a sword to do it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've already talked about the... The readers, not the readers, I just the the Cliff Notes version of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt. It says, "Thou shalt not kill, Mister Christian." How can you carry a Glock and say you'd shoot someone when your own commandment said not kill? Okay, Mister uh, Mister, you don't know what the heck you're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. The original commandment does not say kill; it says commit murder which is the unlawful, unjustifiable taking of a human life. Right? Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. So if someone says that, first of all, if, if a person says to you, you say, we're going to form a church security team, they're going to be trained, and they're going to carry firearms to protect the members of our church. And someone says to you, you can't do that because it says thou shalt not kill. I would say to that person, brother, I love you. Sister, I love you. And I want you to go back and study. Because the original Hebrew translation does not say the word kill. It says to commit murder, which is the unlawful taking of a human life. We are also commanded to love our neighbors as ourselves. I would say to them, is it or is it not a mortal sin to commit suicide? Yes or no? And if they say, ah, sure, you go ahead and kill yourself. They haven't read the Bible very much. Uh, they're going to say, well, no. You, you know, committing suicide is a mortal sin because God created you, and when you kill yourself, you're just taking what he did and throwing it in the garbage, right? So... What's the difference between deliberate suicide and just allowing a villain, a minion of Satan, an evil person to kill you and others and to take innocent life? You say, well, you're supposed to love your neighbor. How can you love your neighbor if you are dead? How can you minister to your neighbor if you are dead? Well, you can't. Okay. Do you believe that God your father and his son Jesus Christ want you, you and your wife and children and grandparents to be slaughtered inside of a church. You believe that's God's plan for you to be slaughtered? Remember we talked before, and if you especially in the Old Testament, but a little bit in the New Testament too, we see situation after situation after situation, whether it was David or, or even Saul or just the Jews in general, uh, or Solomon, we see God using men on earth as his instruments. If you've been put into a position where you could stop an evil person from harming the innocent, why would you not do that? Why would you not do that? Maybe God is using you as, as his instrument to stand between the helpless and the innocent and evil. Now, I understand that there are people out there who say, y'all, well, the, the, 
and I don't know the gentleman. It was brought up to me that the the gentleman who in the previous story who was totally against the church security team supposedly was a a veteran, a combat veteran supposedly, and uh, told the people who wanted to form the church security team that they had no idea what they were talking about, and you never want to take a human life and and you don't know how it changes you and you don't know how you know you have to live with that for the rest of your life and so on and so forth what did the pope say should you feel if you are put into a position by evil by an evil creature someone who has given up their humanity someone who's embraced the ways of satan and that's okay you're like, oh, embrace the ways of Satan. That's pretty hardcore. What would you say about a vile monster who enters the house of worship, who enters the house of God with the plan to commit murder? That's not a minion of Satan. That's not someone who's given their hearts over to the devil. If that isn't, I don't know who is. What did the Pope say? What did he remind us? He said, in this case, the fatal outcome is attributable to the aggressor whose action brought it about. Is it natural to feel remorse? Sure. Do you have to? Should you feel shame? Should you feel guilt? If you stand in the breach and put yourself between evil and the innocent, should you feel ashamed for your actions? Absolutely not. Well, that well, that makes you a monster. It makes no. It makes you no such thing, ladies and gentlemen. There have been a lot of good men, good Christian men, who have been forced into a position where they had to pull the trigger on the evil, and they had to end their lives. And I am personally acquainted with many of them, and they don't live every day in horror and shame because what they did was justified and they know that it was justified and they know that God put them in that position to stand up against evil. Now, is it necessarily going to be an easy sell? No, no, it's not. Uh, You know, there may be people in your church body who you can give them all of the quotes and all of the evidence that I just laid out, it's all in the show notes, all of the Bible, all the different verses, the, the advice from the Pope, all of that. You can, you can bring all of that up and they'll still say, I, I just don't care. You'll never convince me that a Christian should be carrying a gun. Okay, fine. That is your choice. And that's the, that's the great thing about free will. If you want to, to be... Uh, you know, a completely disarmed and helpless sheep. But what what do the helpless sheep? Where where do they what do they rely upon? You say, what do you mean? What do you mean, Paul? Well, the person who is deliberately unarmed, the person who told you that you shouldn't be armed because if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be armed. And you'd say to them, okay. Let's say we follow your plan. And a guy walks in while we're in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Dude comes in from the back with a rifle. 
and start shooting people. What should we do? Well, everyone has their phone on them, and we should call 911 and throw our hymnals or hide. Get down on the ground and hide. Okay. So you should you think well 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 what if it's the first person to see him should call nine one one, all right so in five minutes the police will be here, so why do you think that it's okay, so police are all pagans, and they're they're all Gentiles and they're all going to hell right, well well oh, no no what do you mean, well what do you mean what do I mean. Would you want, let's say there's a police officer parked right across the street. And he just happened to be there. He's sitting in his car. And he looks up, and as he looks up, he sees a guy in a trench coat carrying a rifle walk into the front door of the church. And he thinks, oh, that's not good. So the police officer jumps out of his car, runs up the stairs, opens the door, just as the man is about to open fire on the congregation, and the police officer gets out his sword, his Glock 17 sword, and smokes that joker. Boom! And that joker is down for the count. He is room temperature. Now that cop's going to hell, right? Well, what? No. He's a hero. Well, hang on a second. What do you mean he's a hero? He just, he can't be a Christian. He's going to hell. Oh, no, no, it's okay for a police officer to take his gun and, and to shoot the person who was about to shoot the congregation. Really? Because let me tell you something. As a person who was a police officer for almost 20 years, not nah, quite 20, uh, I can tell you this, that a law enforcement officer has no more right to take a human life than any citizen of the United States does. What? No, but but cops are allowed to kill. Do you really believe that the states in the in the United States, the individual fifty states, have special rules that say police officers are allowed to kill whenever they want to? Now, I know if you're a Democrat, you might think that, but it that is not the case. You see, ladies and gentlemen, justifiable use of force and the justifiable use of deadly force. And the criteria that you have to go through before you can use deadly force legally in the United States, I didn't say morally, but legally, are the exact same for a police officer as they are for a citizen. Oh. Really? Yeah, really. Absolutely, really. Uh, as somebody who studied the law a lot. I can tell you that a police officer has no more right to shoot and kill a human being than the average citizen does. Self-defense or the defense of the innocent against deadly force is the same regardless of the clothes you're wearing. I didn't say a declared war. Don't throw me out the whole, well, what if the nation goes to war and they send the army and the Marines? It's not the same thing. Okay, that's the defense of the nation, which is greater self-defense, but as an individual. So if you are able to relate everything that I just said to Gladys Kravitz or Karen or Kyle or whoever the detractors are, the people who are telling you 
that Christians shouldn't carry guns and guns have no place in church and yada, yada, yada. Okay. And I would say to them, all right, let's say we agree, I agree with you and guns have no place in church. How do we stop a killer from walking through the front door or the side door or whatever and murdering half the congregation? How do we stop them? Well, guns don't have any place in church. Okay, I heard you the first time. So that still doesn't solve our problem. We still have the potential problem that a lunatic could walk in here, a minion of Satan, and murder innocent humans. How do we stop them? And you, standing over there saying, Huns have no place in church, oh, put up a plastic sign, I guess, because criminals will see a plastic sign and stop. What you're going to have to do, what you are going to have to do is there may be a situation. What what did I just do? I, I laid out several ecclesiastical, biblical arguments for self-defense, right? Greater man, love hath no man than to lay down his life for his, bro- for his brother. Uh, the good Samaritan, love your neighbor as yourself. Self-love includes keeping yourself alive against illegal, unlawful, deadly force. Uh, the commandment doesn't say kill, it says murder, which is the unlawful killing of a human. And if you're defending your life, it's not an unlawful killing of a human. We've got all of that. We need to go all the way back to Esther, where the king told the Jews that they had the right to assemble and to defend their lives. And you still may be up against Kyle or Karen or Gladys Kravitz or whatever, and they're like, oh, I don't care. You'll never, ever, 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 ever convince me. Okay, great. That's awesome. I would hope that that person or those persons are not the majority. Now, if those people are on the, the board of elders or the board of trustees or whatever, and they vote against a church security program, then you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You can say, well, uh, I'm not going to be part of this cowardly, sheepish, pathetic congregation because there's more than one in the world, believe it or not. Or you can stay there and, and just live under their cowardly, spineless rule. And I'm sorry, but it's cowardice and it's spineless and it is not Christian values. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that Innocent people should be slaughtered by the minions of Satan. Michael would have something to say about that. God commanded Michael to throw Satan and his angels out, and they did battle, and they cast him out. If we were to listen to Kyle and Karen, they would say, well, Michael said, if, well, fighting is wrong and swords are bad, so... I guess if you want to stay, you can just stay. No, that's not what happened. You have a choice to make. You make a choice. If after all of what we've talked about, if you, if you provide that argument to your congregation, to the Kyles and Karens and Gladyses, and, and they still say, we don't care, church security team is a bad idea, and we don't want armed people in our church, end of story. Okay, great. 
okay, great. You have a choice to make. You can either stay there and be a part of that, or you can find another congregation. But I'm hoping and I'm praying, and I would pray before I open my mouth, and I would ask God to put the Holy Spirit into you and to give you the words to speak, that you would make them understand that self-defense is the right of every Christian and defending the innocent even and your own life and the lives of others is not a sin, it is not a moral wrong, and it is not something that you have to be ashamed of, and you shouldn't apologize for it. We're going to go ahead and close up in just a second, but thank you very much for joining me. It's, just, well, it's been kind of a long episode, but hey, it's an important topic. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the legionofmichael.com is available right now. Go to legionofmichael.com, www legionofmichael.com you can sign up for the church security program training there's lots of other good stuff there uh, please leave a review of this if you uh, if you're feeling kind and benevolent share it with others so that they know all right let's go ahead and finish out as we always do with the warrior's prayer lord i come before you seeking the strength and skill to overcome my enemies Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil, the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.